So I want to welcome everyone to another edition of our podcast. Um, yes, welcome back. <laughs> welcome back. So we've got myself, Namdi, and we've got Omar here. Um, what is great is we're, we're both coming from different parts of the world. I am in uh, the southeast of England, while Omar is in sunny Cleveland. Sunny. <laughs> yeah, that's a stretch, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always remember Cleveland with the um, with the Browns, the Cincinnati Bengals, and um, Bengals. I said Bengals. And um, who else did I know about Cincinnati? Yeah, James Jim Brown. Um, yeah, love Gerald Levert. And um, who else out of Cleveland? Yeah, Bones Thugs and Harmony. Bones Thugs and Harmony. <laughs> yeah, right, right. and um, and I think uh, the Root Boys. So. That's my, that's, that's all I know about Cleveland. Although I did go there for a wedding, but yeah. Other than that, this is us. Well, Avant, the <laughs> singer Avant, the okay. OJs, where they're from. Well, okay. you know, um, there's, a, there's some people, I can't think of them right off the top of my head, but okay. yeah. So wow. that's but exciting. Anyway, yeah. So, but anyway, that's, that's the, so, and what we, we're both are, we're both music fans. And Omar has had yes. the pleasure of being, is a songwriter. And also, you know, even a singer as well. Um, I'm a music fan, and um, and so we're both bringing our own perspectives and as fans of music. And um, as we've just been saying, the 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 pandemic, global pandemic, gave everyone an opportunity to reminisce um, uh, about music, especially with DJ Cassidy's Pastor Mike and the versus yes. battle we got a chance to remember the old song so part of what we're going to be doing is going down memory lane and trying to see you know and just talk about music but anyway what we wanted to do today um, was to talk about our top five music producers um and when you know as we've done in, in previous episodes we, we, we weren't going to put them in any particular order because you know, with some some genres, it's easy to say, here's our top five, number one, two, three to five. But in some, it's good to say, here's our top five, and they can be in any particular order. So, um, yeah, I'll start with you, Omar. I mean, when you think of the top five music producers, who, who would you be making your top five list and, and why? Okay. Well, I'm going to start with five, number five. I mean, it's really not in any particular order, but my top two will be my real top two. Okay. Um, but um, so this is going to be a little controversial because some people may think this isn't a producer <laughs> and some people may. So I'm going to put Puff Daddy slash Diddy. Okay. And the reason is because although he doesn't play instruments and all does he although he doesn't write music and ninety <laughs> percent of producers nowadays are right. like that. <laughs> yeah, he writes checks. No. But um <laughs> he, no, um what what Puffy does have is something that is very unique and um especially in the nineties in his heyday, his reign. Um, he has an ear and it's very hard. It's a very unique thing to have an ear to, to be able to hear a hit. 
Um, he also knows how to, to put all the right elements together. And so in a way, that is a producer, someone that knows how to bring all the right elements together. Um, and so if we really look at what he was able to accomplish in the 90s, especially early on going in, and then going into the late 90s, I mean, what he did with Mary G. Blige, he made her a household name. We can't deny that. Yeah. Um, his influence on Jodeci. Um, and then uh, when he went out on his own and he created those mega stars. And a lot of the songs were songs that he had a lot of influence into as far as the songs that were sampled or the certain thing the way the songs were uh put together yeah. um he had an ear for that and so um that's why i would give him that title because he, he's one of the top producers in my opinion in the last well i won't say last 20 years obviously because he has kind of, kind of been cold for the last 10 <laughs> yeah. years but um during the 90s, which is the time period I grew up, and uh, it kind of shaped me as a person. And I would say he was one of those top producers that you could definitely guarantee, they could call him up in the 90s, and he could almost guarantee you a hit record, yeah. you know, and not all the producers back then could do that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think he's definitely, you know, one of those people that have an ear like Clive Davis, Barry Gordy, ear for mm -hmm. talent, ear for the right song mm. and that's very important yeah you know I, I and i'll be honest i um i said i wanted to be like puffy when um when i when when i when i was coming out of college i thought man i want to work in the music industry and i wanted to be like him uh, just the fact that he um he just knew how to promote and to sell and you know you know, we're talking about hip hop, so what he did with Biggie and Craig, and then we look at R&B uh, and how he just continued to not just the image of the artist, but the, the kind of music and the direction. I thought, you know, you know, he was he was the person that I thought if I could be like that as a as a, as a music executive, then I, I would uh, I'll be in good stead. And and I and I he was. In my sort of list of, if I had my top twenty, he, he definitely would 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 make it um, because he he knew how to make the money to to to, uh, to, to be put on a show. Um, I would go. I just, mm -hmm. go oh, go ahead. And I just wanted to add because I know someone's going to probably say, "Hey, that's not a producer," or he didn't produce those records. He, all the people that he that he oversaw and that were producing with him. How many of them, the ones that so-called produced the records, who went on to have the same success after they left his camp? So we can't deny what he did add. Because I just I, I know someone's gonna be somewhere in the comment section or something. He did he didn't produce those records. He did, in my opinion. He added something to those records because without his help, yeah, a lot of people were not able to reach that same success. Well, you, you know, as, as you say that, because um, when I interviewed uh, Donnell Jones, he mentioned about, so Puffy executive produced Usher's debut album, um, his, uh, his, his first album, and they were looking about, you know, so they came up with the beats for uh, Think of You, the doom, 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 mm -hmm. no one could write the lyrics to it, and 
toffee-toed Ed, hey, can you get Donnell to come over and see if he can give it a try? And Donnell came up and he just heard the boom, boom, boom. Then he just, the, the lyrics just came all the time. I, that's, so when Donnell tells the story, that, and, and that was it, that's how the lyrics came. So Puffy knew, like, let's give him a try. Um, he, he got, you know, Chucky Tom, Thomason. He got um, Stevie J. Rest in peace. Um, yeah, yeah. He, he died recently. Yeah. Yes. So he, Puffy was able to get his hitmen. He created the hitmen. You know, I've had some, I've heard stories from one or two who left the camp who complained that Puffy would just add a few things and get credit on it. Or, but the one or two things he but added. Some people would probably say that about Teddy. Yes, they, they would I mean, you know. That. Yeah, they would. We don't they know. Would just... say. But one of the things that I did learn from speaking to Sprague and Mucho is that the role of the, of the producer is the final package what yes. goes to the label and it's the producer's name that the label here and if the producer fails they go after the producer not the the the, the i won't say the minions but the people at the back so think of a person who produces a film they don't do they don't direct they may not write but their role is to make sure that the final package is what's given so i would say from listening to talk to producers the role of a producer doesn't necessarily mean the beat maker and it's not necessarily the writer, but to have to get all that together and, and, and make sure that the, the artist sounds perfect. And that's what Puffy is. So I, you know, I'll give him that. Um, in my top five, um, I wanted to start with um, Dr. Dre. Oh, okay. So one thing about, I like about Dre is that he didn't, um, he didn't necessarily switch over. I mean, he did some tracks with Mary and, 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 and one or two others, but predominantly he first stayed in, in hip-hop. He arguably could say that he changed the course of music in the 90s when he came out with the Chronic and Snoop's album because, you know, people started to look like, wow, um, if he started to incorporate sample a great deal of 70s R&B in his music mm -hmm. and in a way it was different it was fresh it was unique it was like wow it was just you know the way he got Snoop to tell stories about a life that most of us probably didn't weren't aware of through the way he raps and, and the way he was the storytelling with that and he just wanted to be in the studio you know um he, he, yeah, he was definitely an innovator and just wanted to, and he doesn't pretend to be a hip hop lyricist. You know, the fact that he got um, Jay-Z to write his, the lyrics for um, Still DRE, write the whole thing, and he doesn't even bother, you know, he just tells that. So I would say Dre, um, just because he, what he, the impact he has changed the game and continues to yes. stay in his lane. And, you know, uh, to add to that, um, Dre actually produced R&B songs as well. Like, he produced a lot for Michelle A um, back yeah. in the early 90s, her yeah. first album, which I think is a, cl a classic. I love that album. Um, you know, he he's done some things, Wrecking Class Crew. So, I mean, you know, he he's, he's a little bit more diverse than people remember because he actually yeah. produ produced Family Affair from yeah, uh, Mary J. Yeah. Blige, which was a big hit for her. Yeah. So, you know, 
All right, so we're back to me. Yeah, number four. I'm going to put my number four spot. Um, I guess this one's kind of controversial. It's not really controversial if people don't make it controversial. <laughs> okay. I mean, if we keep if people keep it real, um, R. Kelly. I'm going to okay. put R. Kelly there because he's a musical genius. He's written so many hits and mm -hmm. uh i want to you know i want to acknowledge him for that i think that he's um he he's produced so many artists and and, and created careers and mm -hmm. saved careers um I, i'm trying to think of some songs he's written that i really really uh i mean the stuff he's done with Aaliyah, uh, her first album i thought was really good yeah. um you know, uh, I'm drawing a blank now. Oh, so he he's written a lot of songs people don't know, like "Fortunate" um, yeah, by uh, Maxwell. Maxwell. Yeah. I just that was a perfect. He's one of those people that he can write a song for whatever style mm. of the artist it is. So um, he's written for B2K. He's written for Celine Dion. Casey I, and I love Jojo. Song. Yeah, Casey and Jojo. Yeah, Casey and Jojo. Life. Um, you're not alone by yeah. Michael Jackson. Um, yeah. Okay. He did one with for Whitney Houston. Um, oh goodness. Um, oh, it's it's a it, uh, Oh yeah, I know her comeback album. Yeah, the um, comeback album. Not I didn't know my own strength. It was the yeah. other one. I didn't now know. Now I lay me down. I can't remember what it's called. But, uh, but I, I, um, I think he did do. But this. yeah. But it also um, for he he did some um, he did stuff for Mary as well on her Share My World album. Oh yeah, and, and it's, it's on. on. Yeah, and it's on. Yeah, yeah, I like that song. Um, um, yes, yeah, so he's done a lot of things. Um, he's written for uh, Madonna. I mean, he's he's written a lot of songs that, um, like I said, I don't think that people have given him credit for. And he also brought Isley Brothers back, like with that. Uh, what was the song they did? Well, also first with the down low video, obviously. Was it, yeah, but uh, yeah, with, yeah. And just really clever songs he wrote yeah, for yeah. Isaac Brothers. Yeah. Making it kind of age appropriate for them and tying it in with the young yeah. people at the time. Um, so yeah, um, he's definitely gonna get my number four slot because um he's one of the um songwriters that help me become who I am as a songwriter I am today. So yeah. I definitely have to pay homage to him. Yeah, I mean, as I said, there, 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 there is, um, you know, it, you know, people might say, oh, goodness, you know, how could you talk, you know, people would first and foremost say the American justice system said he's innocent until he's proven guilty. So, right. but we're, we're, we're not, talking about him and his uh, off the field stuff but focusing on, on the music that pretty much dominated the 90s and 2000s and yes you know he gave michael jackson so michael jackson's you're not alone was the first song to debut on billboard at number one so prior the to first? that yeah oh. you know before well, a single would, would climb up the charts so you are not alone was the first single that was that was released that debuted at number one. Um, then after that, I think Mariah Carey had two singles that you know kind of followed through. But that was the first 
So the first time, the highest entry was Scream, that David at number one, and then You're Not Alone was the next single to, to, to break the record of David at number one. Anything else after that is secondary. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's, um, it's strange that the songs he wrote for other people were a lot more positive <laughs> than, than what yeah. he did for himself. Um, you, you, they were right. a lot more uh, child-friendly and, 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 and stuff. But yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely a good one. Um, so he's your, he's your number, your number four? Four. Yeah. Yes. So I, I final went. Final answer. <laughs> yeah, the final answer. So I went with, um, with Mr. Quincy Jones as my number four. Oh. Yeah. So oh, that's a good one. I mean, that's a good one. I, I, you know, my all-time favorite artist is Michael Jackson, without, without a doubt. And, um, and he didn't make my top five albums because there were elements of different albums of Michael that, that I really loved, you know, from Off the Wall, from Thriller to Dangerous to, um, to from Bad to um, Invincible History. So I didn't have one album that I thought, yeah, that's, that's it. But how Quincy... Um, was able to do off the wall, thriller and bad, and just seamlessly, you know. And and he's writing, you know, not not he wasn't a beat maker. He's writing the lyric. He's writing, composing his stuff. He knew how to surround himself with good writers. If he's not working with Michael, he was working with the the excellent Rod Templeton, doing my favorite song ever, which was um, the Lady in My Life. Even Baby of Mine was, you know, one of my top five songs, um, Liberian Girl. Then he came back when we thought he had gone with Secret Garden. And then the other song that is probably one of my all-time favorites again was You Put a Move in My Heart with Tamir. You know, it just shows that he was just timeless in his ability just to, to create music. And, um, you know, I, I think a generation of people who um, who did not catch his music from the um, 60s, 70s and 80s sort of missed out on, on so because but after, you know, after he suggested to Mike that, you know, I think music has changed, you know, and he recommended Teddy Riley for Mike to, 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 to step in. Um, but I think Quincy might have probably done and you know, and a superb album if he had continued the relationship. But yeah, I you know, because he would, he, he, you know, he was an innovator. He didn't follow. He didn't say what's popular. Let me do that side. So yeah, Quincy makes my number four. Who's your number three? Who's in your top three? <laughs> well, um, funny you mentioned Teddy Riley because Teddy Riley is my number three. Okay. Um, Teddy Riley. Um, <laughs> is an awesome talent. I mean, what he was able to do is, and I didn't realize he was so young when he was doing a lot of this, the records in his early, earlier in his career for a lot of the, because he started out, I believe, producing hip hop, right? Hip hop, hip hop hits yeah. and stuff for a roof, uh, rooftop records and um, Kumo D and all these different songs that, um, you know, at that age. And so then he transitioned into more R&B and stuff with Guy and, uh, he's given us some of the most iconic songs that have been sampled, like, um, you know, well, Peace of My Love, and, well, there's the, that's debatable, but <laughs> I think we had that, <laughs> we had that debunked, I think, recently, well, but, but for the most part, he's brought us those artists, and uh, a guy, and uh, Blackstreet, 
Um, he's produced Whitney. He's produced Michael. Um, he's produced some of the biggest artists of all mm. time. And um, he had a really good run. And um, his sound, like what he did for New Jack Swing, um, that, that, you know, him and Gene established that movement. It was almost like a movement, just a style and just the attitude and everything. Yeah. It, it, it was just, it was a phenomenon. It just impacted the culture so much. Yeah. And um, to be able to continue on into the 90s, you know, some people have like one big flash and then they just die out, but he's been able to uh, reinvent and reinvent. Yeah. Um, so he's one, he's my number three. Um, he's definitely one of those producers. I remember when I was younger and I'm like, I, in my mind, I had this track list of the producers I wanted to work on my album. And he definitely <laughs> was in that top three. Like, yeah, I want Teddy. I want a, a Teddy Jam, Teddy Jam four on my album. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't mind him doing it. Like they need to do another guy album because I don't know what Teddy's uh, Jam four would be. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, that's fine. Well, I, I will talk about Teddy later because he's, he's he's in my top uh, he's in my top five side. So I, I always thought for that now, but I my number three would be um, LA and Babyface. So not Babyface on his own because um, one of the things about LA and Babyface was that they were a good partnership. Babyface was the writer and and came up with the sort of melodies. And LA was the drummer, percussionist, so he came out with the beats. So he did make the sound, the record sound, give it that, you know, if right. you think about Roses Are Red, doom, 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 doom. so that's, baby, that's LA, you know, with the beats, and, and people will tell you the beats are the heartbeat of a record. Then El Babyface is writing the poetry in the music and, and harmonizing, and he's always singing in the background of all his tracks. Um, they um, in the eighties they played you know pop you know they they were pop R and B you know from Karen White to um, um, the Mac Band Bobby Brown um, yeah Pebbles. after seven Pebbles yeah Mercedes Burst yeah Pebbles yeah TLC um, you know I'm, I'm it's it's um, the boys you know yeah um, yeah they. They were just, yeah, they were just, you know, they they were just a magic duo. And, and the thing is that, oh, the the reason why they they're not higher is because if I heard an LA and Babyface track, I know it's an LA and Babyface track um, uh -huh. because it was very, um, the, it was very similar pattern. You know, you can always hear face at the back, his background vocals. You can always hear, you can hear LA's drums, so you could always tell. So I know that so you can tell them when they're apart and when they're together. Like you you can tell an LA and Babyface and a yeah. Babyface record. When when they when they split, you could tell that Babyface did a lot more work with Daryl Simmons. And yeah. There was a the, 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 there was a melodic melody. Dun dun dun. So very similar if you think about um, not gonna cry. There was, um, you know, even I make love to you. There was, you could tell a babyface track separately. It's it. He didn't. He he. The lyrics were still King Babyface writing, but mm -hmm. it wasn't as adventurous production wise. 
it was very safe because LA was the with the drums and so he kept it safe and but used the lyrics to 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 woo you so but as a team and um, even the parts you know they're in my top three i was wondering why la stopped producing because he went i mean to, i know he obviously went into being an executive that. but yeah well, yeah, but if you think about the, the difference between what Jam and Lewis, when they started with perspective records, they, they came out with solo, they came out with um, Mint Condition, and um, I think it's a low key, but the, and uh, Sounds of Blackness. But they were both musicians continuing with the music, and you know, it's a very different thing being a labor of love and like people making good music and we hope that people enjoy it. Whereas LA was more ruthless. You know, he was like, he had the vision. We've got LA for the face record. Baby face, you, you write and produce. I'm going to make sure it, it goes out there. So that became sort of the difference between why the face became one of the most successful independent labels, more so than perspective. But anyway. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> um, interesting. <laughs> so it's funny you bring up Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis because that's number two on my list. Um, I, so for me, um, I think a, for me being a songwriter, I think I've chosen differently in a way because I think it's going to be obvious who my my number one is. I mean, it's really not a, a, a ordered list, but R. Kelly is there mostly because of songwriting for me also, because I know that's not necessarily producing, but that's somebody's name that I've seen in so many credits. Um, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, their writing is very underrated. It's very, I mean, I think people think of them from a production standpoint, but I think of them from a songwriting standpoint and what they've been able to write and the different genres they've been able to flow in and out of um from tender lover um to tender lover uh, oh oh tender you know tender love tender Tender love love. Uh, from uh force and d (laughs) right yeah okay Okay. you okay you got me so yeah um tender love um you know the uh the new edition stuff. What was the, I can't remember the name off the top of my head. The one off of Hit Me, uh, the uh, Home Again album. Was it a oh, that beautiful uh, song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I love that song and I don't know why it's not coming to me right now. <laughs> but <laughs> isn't that crazy that I was saying I love the song, I don't know the, the name of it. But, you know, um, the stuff they were able to do with Janet Jackson, um, just iconic. You know, they really took her and took her to another level because she a lot of people don't know she had two albums released before they collaborated with her and they just kind of shot her through the roof i I don't Mm -hmm. remember what the name of those albums were but everybody remembers control that's the that's the janet jackson album that we remember but there were two albums before that no one remembers um and they also um they produced like you said karen white um They've done Janet Jackson. I mean, I'm sorry, Ma- uh, Michael Jackson. So they've done so much. I, I know you probably can elaborate more because I know there's somewhere. 
<laughs> there. And, um, uh, but, but again, um, Jimmy, Jim and Terry Lewis are definitely iconic and I have to give them the props. And I know uh, even going back to the SOS band and all the stuff they did in the, yeah. um, early 80s, late 70s and stuff uh, after, or not, I'm sorry, not late, uh, late 70s, early 80s, 80s um, yeah. the stuff that they did with um, um, the time and Prince mm. and all that. So, I mean, there's so much wealth, they could easily be number one for me. Yeah. And the only reason that they are not is just because their existence goes beyond my existence. So I'm like, <laughs> what I mean by that is, I was really like a baby in like a cradle somewhere when they were like literally pumping out these hits and <laughs> yeah. I didn't catch on to them to the 90s and I had to go back and retrospectively yeah. kind of learn these things. But um, yeah, the SOS band, um, did they produce Sherelle? I think they produced Sherelle, yeah. A lot of people on Taboo label. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, so it's so many hits. The Human League with that. I'm only human. That song, I love that song. Yeah. Uh, and so many songs, like if you really sit and just kind of let it just, just sit and marinate for a minute, you come up with all these songs like, wait, they produced that. Yeah. So um, they're definitely one of the top um, producers of all time. You, you can't make a list without their names. Yeah, and I, 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 I agree. And people would, would probably say that when there was a versus it should have been um, L.A. Bayf well, it should have been Bayface against Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis because those nice. were they they were on on, on that part. Um, my number two is Jam and Lewis, um, and and I think um, now one of my top five songs is Bending Knees, Boys to Men, and and you know, yeah. when that yeah, album came out, you know I still remember 92 i just moved to, to to selma alabama um and i remember you know i'll make love to you came out it was number one but i didn't really as i said i didn't really like it as much it was like an okay song when bend and knees came out it was that sense of i'm sorry you know i, I love songs where men are saying sorry and you know give me another chance and the way they wrote and arranged this one of the all-time best boys to men performance. Um, but then they go back and do all the stuff Alexander O'Neill, you know, criticize on a fake and um, you know, all true men, yeah. they, you know, it's and then Sherelle's, you know, um, Saturday Love, you know, that's uh, oh, yeah. you know, the um, you know, then they 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 not only do stuff with um, sounds of blackness, you know. They discover mint condition. It's um, you know, then they're doing a lot of stuff with with, with Mary, um, no more drama. Right. They're still doing stuff with her, you know, her, her single that's out now, that's that's their stuff, doing stuff with Mariah. So, but the one thing um, I like about German Lewis is that unlike the LA babyface, where I could play LA Babyface and say, you play, I'll say, oh, that's LA Babyface, or that's Babyface. I couldn't tell and Jimmy and Terry, unless I knew that they were there. They, the chameleons. Yeah, so it's, they, they kept the good quality, but it didn't sound like, so that, you know, you, you know we haven't even forgotten about Heartbreak, or Heartbreak, 
you know, any heartbreak, that, 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 that whole album, Can You Stand the Rain, Is It Isn't Love, um, um, You're Not My Kind of Girl, you know, that's, you know, that, that you know, people, when, when, if we did a poll today and I said, what's your favorite new edition song? Can You Stand the Rain, because it's, it's wins any battle against yes. any new edition yes. song. When I'm not just someone new edition, either you bring, even if you bring in Bobby Brown, My Prerogative and Poison, it, it's Can You Stand the Rain beats everything. And it's like, wow, what boy, you know, even these other things that make boys to men, the fact that they could write this stuff, their friendship, you know, so those, that's, so there, there's, there are my, um, my top two. Now, I might sound a little controversial. I loved Control Album. Um, wasn't a big fan of Ribbon Nation. Um, I think mm. it, it's, it, it was a little, it was, an, um, that whole rock side of it was, was a little too much uh, for me. Black cat. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I it just it wasn't too. That's big. controversial. You don't. So you weren't a fan of Rhythm Nation, that album. No, and even though a lot of people said it was really inspired them, and, and I wasn't a big fan of the the, the work they did with with Michael. Um, I, 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 yeah, I, I, I wasn't um, a fan of any of of, of the work on History or um, Blood on the Dance Floor um, album. It's, it, it, it's. I wish they did Jimmy and Terry and not try to do a Michael stuff. But other than that, anything, anything else they've done is go, you know, I only, even, they gave Yolanda Adams a global hit, which I open on my heart to you, you know, uh, it's, you know, that's that, that in itself, you know, a gospel album song that went into the Billboard's top, top, you know, top 10, you know, it, it was, it was um, such a slong that burned, just grew through. That means it shows that their diversity. But anyway, I've spoken about it. But not, yeah. <laughs> who, who's, who, 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 who keeps them off of your number one, Paris? So, again, I'm a songwriter. So, I think it's kind of obvious uh, <laughs> at this point because we've talked about them several times. Um, but I'm going to say Babyface Alone and okay. with the option of. LA, LA because yeah. I feel like Babyface has continued his production legacy beyond um, or, or after uh, you know LA has left. Yeah. So I kind of want to also honor the fact that LA was a partner with him. Yeah. But I feel like Babyface definitely has some huge success after LA left yeah. uh, with. Boys to Men, Whitney Houston. I mean, he's written some massive hits. Tony, Tony Braxton. And Tony Braxton. So it's like, um, I respect the partnership and I respect also him as a solo uh, mm. producer. And um, that's one thing I was wondering with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis was how were they able to keep that partnership and that chemistry going for so long because so many um, partnerships you know, go their separate ways and, or producers, they'll have like their right-hand man that, you know, they swap them out every couple of years. And, you know, like Teddy will have a new assistant guy that's under him helping him with production or whatever, and it'll just change out or. Well, Babyface um, did say in an interview, when he was interviewed by um, Don, Donnie Simpson, he says that the difference between, because LA and Baby, um, Terry, Jimmy and Terry are best friends. They've been, you know, best friends from day one and they still make best friends. 
he and LA were members of the deal, but they weren't best friends. Oh. They were just like, we could work together, we could do stuff. His best friend was Daryl Simmons. So he tried yeah. to explain it. And this was him explaining when they broke up, where they, they the LA wanted to focus on being music executive. And they said, oh, how come you, you know, compared the two? And he says, no, LA and I, you know, you know we're acquaintance and we're, we're, we're friends, but my best friend was Daryl Simmons. And this is when he was going solo and bringing Daryl in to help him with his production going forward. So it was more sort of friendship. It was, you know, because if you, if you talk to, if you hear Jimmy and Terry now, they said they never signed an agreement, a contract. It's just hands and everything's been split without any arguments because they're best of friends. And, and wow. And, yeah. Well, that's interesting too, but I did not know that. <laughs> um, but um, so with Babyface, he's definitely um, in my top because of the songwriting and how he's yeah. able to um, craft these beautiful, timeless songs yeah. um, for artists that are just almost, they feel like, they feel like they're tailor-made yeah. for these artists. And um, what he done with, what we what he's done with um, Tony Braxton's career and, and, and at the beginning of her career, I mean, he undoubtedly created a star with her and, and yeah. he did it with these beautiful songs and which I was surprised that she she really didn't care for a lot of the songs <laughs> and a couple of her interviews she would let us know she she because she was so young when she recorded the song she wanted to kind of be Mary J Blige or the cool girls but she was singing these really adult records that are really you know yeah but, but that's, um, that's that was the same as say Mar uh, Mariah Carey she did not like to she didn't like the direction Tommy Mottola who was the head of Sony was doing yeah but what true. they were doing is saying do you want to be um, rich or do you want to be popular? You know, right. if you want to be rich, you go the boys to men route and sell 10 million, 20 million to a wider audience. But if you want to be, you know, you know, play, you know, I used to look back in those days, I used to look at the charts and I would see an R. Kelly or Jodeci would go to 3 million at most. But I would see... Mm -hmm. People like Tony Braxton or Boys to Men, they would go 10 to 15 because right. they were crossing over on Break My Heart, you know, you know, took be, took um, no diggity off the, the off the Billboard 100. And it, it reached, you know, because she would work with Diane Warren and David Foster. So she was becoming, you know, compete could go with the Celine Dion type of uh, crowd. And that's where the money was. That's where you get 10 million bar golf crooks. You know, Boys to Men were doing that, selling to those uh, adult contemporary, which is where, you know, compared to, you know, Jodeci, which was, yeah, they're big in the hood. But we all, you know, we, we, you know, we talked in an earlier podcast that we're not buying, but we should be buying and supporting the records. But we will go to the concert, but we're not buying the music. But the other artists, the, the adult contemporary market, were buying and, and, and being loyal, and that's where the income was. So Tony, I can imagine, yes, she probably wanted to do like that. Um, but think about someone like Alicia Keys, too. She, you know, Clive was saying, look, man, do you want to make money? Or do you want to be, you know, this is... Yeah, so that's, that's probably with Tony Braxton. Okay. Yes, it's always interesting to hear when um, the artists, they 
some of them don't care for the songs that actually made them famous. Like you find out, oh, by the way, you, you know, I really actually never liked blank song. And it's like, like Shaka Khan's famous for saying she didn't like certain songs she recorded. Yeah. And it's just like, but this is, this, I love you because of this song. So it kind of makes you feel a certain way. But, yeah. you know. Yeah. But, but, I, um, I, yeah. but it's, it's, you know, because when Mariah kept saying that um, she, she felt her comfortable, she felt comfortable when she was doing um, Dream Lover, you know, with Puffy and she mm -hmm. could get ODB on track. That's that, you know, so we, we, we were surprised when she was with, you know, Jermaine Dupri was producing with Escape, a lot of her stuff. I'm like, you know, and she did stuff with Puffy. I'm like, well, that doesn't seem right because you came out with some very older stuff. But she said, that was not me, but they made me sing that way to sell records. But now I could be me. Um, and sing songs that really make him feel um, feel comfortable. Um, but there's, there's as as we will learn when we talk about the music business, it's a business. It's not a charity. And as a business, they need to they have shareholders and investors who are saying, "How are you spending our money? And are you making the most uh, the most output?" Well, I have an unpopular opinion. You had your unpopular opinion opinion yeah. uh, earlier. I have never really liked any of Mariah Carey's albums and told like the full album. I have never liked it. To, for me, she's a singles artist. Like I, I, I love the singles. Like, but I could never like really connect with a full album. And, and towards her later in her career, I did kind of care you know I care a little bit more for her music then but I was more so the singles in the beginning yeah. I just like the sing and um and it's a lot it's like that for a lot of artists you know um for me I I will like somebody but it's like if you if you ask me my top 10 albums it's going to be different from the people I idolize or yeah. I won't say idolize but the you know my favorite artist but um anyway let's get to your yeah, number one yeah. <laughs> let's get all well, yeah. off track but I have never bought a Mariah Carey album, um, so I can understand what you're saying. Because I, 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 yeah, a couple of singles, but I've never bought. I've never bought a single. I've never. But I, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. But no, my number one is is Teddy, and I've said in an earlier podcast that um, okay. the reason there. why I, I got into music was um, and music not right. as, as if I don't sing anything, but the reason I got into the whole music stuff was because. Of just telling, you know, he could pre, he could put out anything, and I'd go ahead and buy it up oh, because it's Teddy. Um, he, um, you know, if, if, yeah, the fact that he started that young, and he was, you know, I remember him. You know, one of his one of my favorite interviews that he's done. He did an interview with Ed Lover, um, who used to be on UMC Raps, and he said that he was in the studio at Samba, um, mixing um, Kumudi. And um, the, um, the owner of Jive Records at the time, the English guy comes in and says, okay, where's everyone? He says, no, they've gone out. He says, so um, are you doing any, what are you doing here? He says, no, I'm, I'm producing. He says, who, who are you? He says, no, I'm Teddy, I'm the guy producing here. He was about 16 or 17. And he says, 
do you have a, are you signed? Do you have any promising? He says, I don't know what that is. And so if you ever see any of the credits, he's signed to Zomba, which is Zomba yeah. Publishing, Don Real. So that's how he got his publishing. And he got that. Wow. Um, and while he got that, Gene wasn't aware that that conversation happened. So he got his publishing for, um, for, for Modi outside of, of, of Gene. The problem was that when he did all the other stuff, Gene says, yeah, I'll take care of the paperwork. And that's why Teddy's name was not on my prerogative until recently. Uh, yeah, he, his oh. name wasn't down as a, as a, yeah, if you look, if you get the, if you go on my prerogative, you won't see Teddy's name on it. His name wasn't on, on, um, on um, James Ingram, I'm real. It wasn't on any Jackson's 2300 Jackson Streets that he did. Um, yeah, he, you know. I did not know he produced that. He produced oh, that? Oh, yeah, he did. He produced 2300 Jackson Street, 2300 Jackson ah. Street. So he, he said that the only person who did not show up, who was he did not record, was Michael, because Michael did his own vocals and sent it in. But he, he, so he's the only person to produce all the, to have, to record all the Jacksons, because he later on produced Michael. But he's recorded all the Jacksons for that track, because even Janet laid her vocals down there. Um, so that was one of those things. All the stuff he did with um, Deja, um, you know, Gene, Gene took care of that and, and yeah. his name wasn't on, on any of the credits. Um, today, him and me, so he wants to tell his name on that. So it was um, or Gene's name. So, but, you know, at a point, you know, not only did he change the game with, with, with the new Jack Swing, you know, you had everyone trying to imitate the the drums and the and the and the and the and the and the and the, and the, and the trumpets. Um, he was yeah. So he just had a, a period, and then, as I said, he, he did you know think about ninety one. He came out with the Bobby album. He had just finished the Michael album. Came out with Rex and Effects, Rum Shaker. Went to the Bobby album, then came out with um, Black Street, um, and it was just like he was just. He, anything he touched but you know it's so musically you know he he just from the 80s um you know and the 90s really was was on, was on his game and he made the vocoder you know top box a big thing you know because ronnie chapman, chapman yeah, he brought was it was matt was, was just so you know he wasn't you know he was big with that but teddy said you know i'm going to take it and, and and take it to another level so he's, he, he, he will always, because as I said, I got every single, he, everything he did. Oh, Teddy has a bit of that. He did a mix. I could, I could, so my ear for music was with Teddy. So I could hear the track and say, Teddy has done stuff on that. So do the right thing. I knew it was Teddy, um, Roughneck. I could hear the beats. Right. I used to let that, that beat. Oh my God. He mixed it. So yeah. he did the mixing. So you could, I could hear him anywhere and say Teddy did that. So there's a few, there's a few songs that, that fooled me though. I remember we, we were talking before, probably off camera, about uh, Terrell Hicks' song, Distant Lover. I, he I did the mix. That he mixed it. Teddy. He mixed, he mixed, oh. he mixed in it. Yeah, he did the mixing and recording. So that's the thing. So he did the mix and recording, but especially the extended the extended version of that. Then, then the, yeah, the extended version of the Distant Lover 
is where Teddy yeah. did the additional production. Oh, okay. Mix. Yeah, because when I saw Sprague, or I can't pronounce the name, Sprague, Sprague? Yeah, Sprague. Yeah, Sprague. Yeah, I'm like, who is this? This isn't Teddy. <laughs> so, yeah. so, yeah. But when I did interview Sprague, he did say that, um, yeah, that, you know, that Teddy, the one thing that Teddy was good at was, no, actually, Mucho said it, that Teddy was probably one of the best engineers and mixers. And even John Marie said, yeah, Teddy, you know, he was, you know, um, technically when it came to, you know, he was just a, a genius with the production and, and everything. Um, yeah. I just, I, I, yeah, I think the only thing that I, I would always say about Teddy was the, um, I wish he didn't join Blackstreet. I wish he had just kept it where it was, where it was Blackstreet featuring Teddy when they did Baby Be Mine. Because yeah. I think Blackstreet was, I would say, distraction. And when I say distraction, that he he focused on going on tour and stuff. And in those moments of not being in the studio, yeah, he neglected, of, he neglected a lot of stuff. He things were happening, and by the time he came back, he just was missing it. So, you yeah. know, and when I mean, he's not that's working, the thing. He's not working, yeah. When they get, when, uh, you know, a creative gets that uh, artist bug, sometimes you can't, you know, break it from them. Like, it's a lot of people, like, another unpopular thing is, you know, Babyface, I like him as a producer, but I would, I mean, I'm not, I liked his music as a solo artist, mm. but I didn't really follow his solo artist, like his solo career like that. Like his albums, I have a couple of them, but it was more so just his you know, his production. And I was wondering, what if he was just a producer and not producing himself? Just like with Neo. Neo was another artist that I feel like he probably would have been a better songwriter. He should have just kind of followed the songwriter route as a, because I felt like the more he pursued his solo career, he was neglecting um, the trajectory of his career because as a songwriter, because I felt like he was on a roll for a minute when he was writing all those songs for Rihanna and you know, all these different people. Yeah. And but he just kept going back to doing his own thing. So when you're talking about Teddy, it just kind of made made me think about that. Teddy did kind of get caught up in the black street thing and being a yeah. part of a group. And he had a record label and yeah. he had other artists and a lot of things yeah. got neglected. And... Uh, yeah. So that's that was always I, 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 but he's much... he's definitely a great producer and yeah, he's, no, he's inspired so many, so many. Yeah, I mean, you know, the you know, just as we, you know, you mentioned about Neo and his um, and why he probably you know should have focused on the songwriting. You know, he, he did a track for Beyonce. Um, irreplaceable. Irreplaceable. He said he he came, he did everything. So he wrote, he did everything. But Beyonce, being the power broker, changed a few things to get credits <laughs> publishing mm. on it right but because neo hadn't really he was just known as a songwriter so that, hence um you, you being an artist and having a name means you have a little bit more clout so you can say no but he back in those early days as the songwriter he, he didn't have enough clout to be able to protect that track so that's probably why he, he, he did what he did. But he also, you know, pursuing his solo career did leave, leave a gap. You know, there was a number of people that we missed out that I probably thought, you know, 
you know, we didn't talk about Rodney Jenkins and and and, I and wanted uh, to talk the whole about the whole the whole dark child uh, the whole dark child movement. Um, Chucky Thompson, who was probably um, yes the hitman. Um, Trackmasters, Tony Pope, what they did for Elo Kuje's Mr. Smith album, you know, lounging, you know, doing it lounging. Um, they were they were just phenomenal, um, you know, and they did. Um, uh, you know, I mentioned in the earlier podcast about my Moje um, album, and they did some massive tracks on that. Um, Jermaine Dupri, you know, we we forgot about Jermaine. Yeah. You know. Well, it's only five. It's I mean, I five, really yeah. want to throw some. Are you saying all the names? I, I literally crossed out Rodney Jerkins. I had to kind of mentally, uh, you know, run through his catalog. Dave Hall is another one that's a very yeah, Dave, yeah, untouchable. So up, but he's, we talk about the yeah. untouchables, yeah, yeah. Narader, uh, Michael Walden, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, he's done a lot of beautiful songs, um, you know. So yeah, there was Dallas. Austin, we're gonna have so much time. Timberland, Dallas, I wanted Timberland, to put him in there, you know, the Neptunes. Uh, the Neptunes. But I wanted to kind of focus on R and B because yeah. I didn't. I you know I I kind of wanted to stay in that because even though they did do R and B, I think that they kind of went more into the pop realm halfway through their career, and so I kind of want to give shine to the R and B people. So, well, <laughs> well, you know, when I talk about um, so with when I talk about Jam and Lewis, if you can think about Jam and Lewis and Quincy Jones. You, mm -hmm. you, unless you realize that, you know, they did a track with her, you won't know it's them until they, you, you see it in the credits. I will hear Timberland track and I know it's Timberland. I will hear yeah. Rodney Jenkins track and know it's Rodney, you know, even if you just say Doc Child. Um, see, the same thing you did with, with Te uh, Teddy. Yeah. I, I was a big fan of Timberland. Anything that had Timberland on it, and especially yeah. Timberland and Missy, I bought it. I would go out. I'm like, I, I would read the credits to see where, you know, uh, with uh, Rodney Jerkins, especially after he worked with Brandy, I wanted everything he did. Like, I, mm. I went out and bought everything, especially after that Brandy era. Yeah. So, and the Neptune. So, yeah, I mean, I love these people, but like I said, we only had five. Yeah, 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 yeah. I had my own, sen not sentimental reasons, but just I had my own reasons for the five I chose because uh, they shaped me as a yeah. songwriter. And those are the songs that I aspire to write. Like Babyface, I aspire to write at that level. I aspire to be able to be a uh i mean the thing is you the, the very thing that you like about Tim, jimmy jam and terry lewis is the thing is is okay i'll say the opposite is what i, I like about babyface is that no matter who he writes for and he can write for a lot of different types of artists i mean he worked he wrote he wrote for madonna yeah I was and gonna say, you yeah. know his sound and you know his, sound, his yeah. sound is with that person and it works it's not like Oh yeah, it doesn't work. Like he knows how to make his sound work on almost anybody. You know, same thing with R. Kelly. He, you know, an R. Kelly song. Um, what I do like about Jamie Jam and Terry Lewis is that they are chameleons. Chameleons, they can do anything. And yeah, yeah. so in 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 and so what, what we're going to do in a in a future episode, we're going to talk about the negatives and positives about those producers. And how much it, it made a difference with the industry. But 
you know, we've just got over our time, but it's really great that oh. we can, it's just amazing how much we can talk yeah. about these great producers and, and, and the stuff that they've done and stuff. But, uh, you know. Right. We'll, and if there's a comment section, you guys who are listening, you can put your top five and yeah. give your reasons. Or if you disagree with us or you agree with us, just share your thoughts below. Yes, most definitely. Well, thanks so much today, and uh, you know we'll be back again, and um, and I'm sure the name of the, of the podcast will either be we go after this one, it'll, it'll we'll have it by then. But uh, yeah, so from here in the UK, I'll say goodbye, and and I'm signing off from Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> okay, see you next time. See you next time. <laughs> Bye.